This podcast is brought to you by Northern Trust Wealth Management. What is the why that drives today's most successful business leaders? Tune in each month to the Road to Why podcast by the Northern Trust Institute, where host Eric Shapea dives deeper with entrepreneurs on their life's work, legacy, and the greater meaning of it all. Find the Road to Why where you listen to your favorite podcasts. Coming up on the Money Beat podcast, the U.S. economy created 161,000 jobs in October, the last jobs report before the presidential election. We will break down the numbers, tell you what it means for the economy, what it might mean for the elections with Chris Gaffney from Everbank. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome to the Money Beat Podcast. How are you, everybody? Uh, Paul and Steve here on a Friday in November in New York City, heart of America. New York City. I'm saying it. I'm uh, saying it. New York City is the heart of America. Chicago's the, the heart today, though. Yeah, yeah, Chicago. Yeah, I got to give it to the Cubs. Got to give it to That's the good. Cubs. Chicago's going to be the heart for a long Chicago time. Chicago deserves every. They deserve everything that they are getting right now. I was very happy for them. I really was. Um, reason we are coming to you today on this Friday here in New York City, heart of America, is because this morning the non-farm payrolls report came out for October. One hundred and sixty-one thousand jobs created last month. Unemployment rate at four point nine percent. What do those numbers mean? That's what we're here to tell yeah. you. That's what we're here to tell you what those numbers mean. And to help us, you, you've heard him chime in a little bit already. Uh, Chris Gaffney, president of World Markets at Everbank. Chris, good to see you again. How are Thanks. you? Thanks. Great being here. So uh, were, were you outside Wrigley Field on? <laughs> I was, you know, I'm, I'm a uh, diehard Cardinals fan. So you are. So I was actually not exactly um, for the Cubs. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but congratulations. It's been 100 years. Hopefully it's another 100 years before now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's let's talk about. So let's talk about the jobs report. One hundred sixty-one thousand jobs, little bit under consensus, just a little bit. But little September's bit revision up, sort of. September and August, and September's yeah. was a big revision, right? Yeah. September was the big one. What was it from uh, one fifty-six to one ninety-one? Yeah. Pulls up the entire average. So now you're looking at an economy creating about one hundred eighty thousand jobs a month this year. And you, Paul, I mean, you constantly talk about looking at the figures underneath the headline numbers and oftentimes over the last five years have brought up wage growth. I have. Well, before we get there, let's let's give Chris the floor, you know. So, Chris, you saw the numbers come out this morning. Right. Uh, what, what did you make of this report? It, it was uh, enough to keep the Fed on, on target. It wasn't uh, overwhelmingly positive or negative. Um, and... Uh, I, I was just starting to move towards the wage growth because yeah. that is exactly um, what was the the bright part of this story. I think uh, the revisions plus forty four k on on revisions is good, but uh, uh, it's all about wage growth and wage earnings. And while you know nothing's moving um, dramatically. Uh, we are seeing a tick up in wages. I think it came in at uh, 2.8% year-on-year, which is above really where the, the Fed said they needed to see wage growth before they made a move. So I, I think uh, it all but cements a December move in my mind. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. I mean, th this number would have had to have been a disaster for the Fed. I mean, look, the, the Fed has been re ready, I think. The Fed's been ready for a while to raise Probably rates. Back in June, uh, right? They've just kind of been whole. And Wednesday at their meeting, I mean, they you know cemented that a little bit more, right? And and right. you know, so this would have to have been something 
to push them, you know, not exactly. To move. And they will get one more jobs report yeah. before they meet again. Um, I, I don't want to get into my whole ripping apart the wage growth number yet. Okay. <laughs> like, I have my own opinions on it, but um, what what else did you like? I mean, we look at the sectors that are creating jobs. Um, you know, when you start digging into the numbers a little deeper, what else did you like about this report? Well, I mean, or not like about it? I'm not trying well, to and, put words and, in your mouth. Yeah, and something that uh, the real unemployment rate, I mean, it's at, what, 9.5%. Um, it, it it did improve slightly. Um, so so the that U6 was the U6 number, U6 right? The number. wider right, right. reading on unemployment. Um, yeah. But it still shows that there's a lot of people, and, and with the unemployment rate ticking down from 5% to 4.9%, that shows that um, I think Yellen would have rather have seen that stay around 5% because of what that would mean is that there's more people encouraged about their opportunities in the job market and entering that job right. market so that, um, you know, the, the pool grows. Um, right, and, right. and therefore, you know, I, I think she would rather have seen, economists would have rather seen that number stay up around 5 with it going back down to 4.9, that shows that, yeah, some more people came into, uh, came into work, but they're not coming back into the pool. Uh, yeah. They're staying on the fringes. They're staying out of that uh, uh, the official uh, pool of labors. Right, right. It's one of those situations where you have to, you know, is, is it a good rise or a bad fall or a good fall or a bad, you know, like, right, right. Because it's not just the number itself. It's why exactly. the number moved. And in this case, you're saying the number wasn't really, it wasn't a good fall. No. Um, yeah. They would rather have seen that stay up around 5%. Right. Meaning more people are coming in. So, yeah, you get a number that's higher, but it, it's a, it's a I'm using air quotes, too, folks. Uh, it's a good rise. Uh, you know, I want to get your take on this, Chris. And Grocer, you've talked about this, too, for a long time. We have seen the headline number, on average, come down now for, for probably about two years, right? I mean, in 2014, I think it was around 240. 2015, it was around 230. I may be getting the numbers wrong. I'm doing it off the top of my head. This year, about 180. Uh, d- does that concern us? Do we worry about that? Is Is that okay? I mean, the numbers are down. There's, there's no two ways about it. Why are the numbers down is, is the question. Again, is it a good, is it a good fall or a bad fall? Oh, I, I think, A, it shows you that the economy is not gaining steam, really. It's, it's yeah. in fact, um, pretty much lost some momentum and uh, maybe, maybe heading towards a pause. And, um, you know, manufacturing obviously continues to be down when you dig underneath and, and, and see the manufacturing numbers continue um, to drop. Service was a little better. Um, and of course, government's coming in and, and, and still hiring. Retail side of things, which is interesting, the, the yes. retail employment, which, you know, I'm we are heading now it. into the Christmas season, the exactly. holiday shopping season. Exactly. And uh, a lot of times when, when you see those retail numbers tick up in, in this report before the Christmas, official holiday season, um, you think that that's should be positive for the holiday season right. because they're getting ready. They're they're preparing yes. for that. And uh, so we didn't see that really right. in this report. And that, to me, is a little worrying about what we're going to see in, in as far as retail sales. Right, in, in the right. The retail was down, I think it was 1,100, right. which right. is, you know, essentially flat. But you would expect to see a surge. Like, this is the seasonal hiring. This is the time. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. That stuck out as me as, as something that's, you know, like, Keep an eye on, right? You know, yeah, right. yeah. That bothers I, I me. Mean, I mean, I will. I'll say this. I think there's 
two views on the fact that it's coming down. I mean, one is this should be expected. I mean, we're getting closer and closer to full employment. Mm-hmm. Um, you you know, you can't keep hiring. Right. Janet Yellen, you know, said back in December that the 100,000 was sort of a threshold to take in, mm-hmm. you know, the new, you know, new people coming into the workforce. But on the other hand, undoubtedly, you know, there's enough research out there that shows that as, you know, the average um, comes down, like, you know, recessions usually follow. And so, you know, that's an, that's all the other concern. So, I mean, right. where is this? this should be, you know, it should be expected and not necessarily, you know, freak everyone out because we're still having decent job growth. It could mean a recession in the next, you know. Bit twelve months, two years. Right. I don't know. Well, and, and this recovery is getting long in tooth right now. Yeah, and every you know that's the overriding. There's other things that are going to add to uncertainty, but um, I think all the investors have that in the back of their mind. That you know, um, how much further can we go here? Especially with it just been just a slog. Uh, I think somebody used that term earlier. You know, it's just been a slog as far as a recovery. It hasn't ever really been gotten any real momentum. Yeah. And no, it, in the slog, I think. I feel I feel like it has felt like a slog for how many years? I mean, like it, it for, is. It, about, this is not new. How about for the, yeah, the I mean, seventy three anyway. consecutive months in which the U.S. economy has created jobs? I mean, it's extending it's, the record. So it's like you have this record long time period of job creation, which we should be celebrating. Should oh, yeah. be great. And it just, does it feel like it? No, I mean, you look at it on the other hand too. Um, you know, back in 2012, Mitt Romney was talking about, I'm going to bring unemployment down to 6%. Right. We've gotten it below that. That and was that's, his promise. That's, you know, that's great we've gotten it below it. Right. But, I mean, there's still, you know, sort of a sense um, that, you know. And uh, and you and you see this in the in this jobs report, I mean, yeah. too. And you've seen it in, you know, the constant data that flows that flows out. I mean, you know, it's always like feels like, you know, every for every step forward we take with economic data, there's always two steps back. And, you know, I you're right, Grosser. I've been talking about wage growth forever because I really think that is this. I think to me, wage growth is the best tell of the real health of the economy. I just I I just do. And I thought that for a long time. And I've been waiting to see it come up. The number came out today, 2.8 percent. I will admit I was excited. You you (laughs) saw it. You saw it, Grocer. I was excited. It is rare that you see like a, just a glimmer of optimism come from Paul's desk, but we did get a glimmer of, and then and then I started digging into it. Okay, and I got depressed again because because <laughs> when you look at it, that two point eight percent number was the average hourly growth year over year. Okay, for all employees, the average weekly growth was two point five percent, little bit you know down, but then. What you have to realize is that that number is all employees. When you look at non-supervisory and production employees, when you look at basically 80% of the American workforce. The ones doing the work. The ones doing the work. The numbers were worse. Then the average wage growth was about 2% a week. So for most people, average wage growth is still barely outpacing inflation. So – that's, I think, why you have this situation where we have this great long string of every month we are creating jobs, but it just doesn't feel that good because people are just they're not getting very far. The wages are not going up significantly for most people. And that has been a constant problem and I think it is still a problem with this economy. I would like to move like into actually the inflation part of this because I think that's actually the interesting story here because – for the markets at least. Yeah. Um, 
there has been a growing sort of theme that, you know, you saw this in the Fed you know, statement on Wednesday, that inflation's starting to show signs finally of picking up. How much is that just really a product of the fact that oil prices have come back? Yeah. And really inflation is, you know, which is reversing, too. I think yeah. oil is down 10% <laughs> this week. Um, you know, how much is that, is that sustainable? Are we going to be back into this where, you know, well, two months from now, three months, you know, we're like, oh, the inflation is still... You make insane. a great point. I mean, in, inflation rates are comparing from one point to another in... in um, right now, oil prices, if you remember a year ago, were were, were pretty low. So yeah. they they have recovered. So obviously, inflation that's going to be a, a a tailwind to to the inflation numbers. And uh, now we've started to top out again. Um, you know, I think oil is going to be stuck in a in a, a bit of a range. And uh, uh, and oil has a big uh, big factor in 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 the overall inflation rate. So. Um, we're not seeing any real demand pressure right now, demand side pressure. Um, we have seen a lot of cuts in, in supply, um, not only on oil, but of all commodities. I mean, uh, with the commodity swoon that we saw, um, you saw producers cutting because uh, obviously taking production offline. So, um, you know, the commodity price uh, swoon, I think uh, that's going to lead to lower inflation numbers and in a lot of uh, as you as you pointed out a lot of this growth that we've seen in inflation um maybe just be because you know we're starting from lower lower starts uh, starting mm-hmm. points and uh, uh so the percentage looks good right now but prices really aren't moving anyway and it's not a good indication of growth and, and that's the right. thing while inflation rates may be higher it's not an indication of really uh robust economic activity and i think uh, if if i and i'm Sort of winging this because I, but if you looked at the CPI report, it, it like I think there were like something like five sort of the segments actually showed you know declining prices, which is you know not uh, if you're looking for yeah if you're looking right. for inflation really to pick up that's not a positive right. I love too how Grocer just let me give my little pessimistic thing about. Well, he didn't even try to engage me. It's like it is, he's, <laughs> he's, he's so he's done. He's like you. oh god enough Vina and then just moves on to inflation. Doesn't even want to talk to yeah. me about it anymore. Just doesn't even want to deal with it. I think it. if you go back before the, this podcast was on iTunes um, to like when we started this in 2012, I think this was pretty much the rant you had every single podcast. I know. I know it tires you out. I know it tires um, like, you no, out. I've, I've heard Poor it. Guy. But I don't disagree. I mean, it's, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you make, um, you make, every point you made is a fair point about it. Yeah, he just doesn't want to hear me talk anymore, Chris. That's all it really is. All right, listen. Let's take a break. When we come back, more with Chris Gaffney of Everbank. We're going to talk about how these numbers may or may not affect the election, how the affection may or may not affect the economy, how Europe may or may not affect the economy, how there is a lot of uncertainty out there, folks, about which you you unfortunately need to try to feel certain when we come back. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. I'm Veronica Dagger. Do you want to know how the rich invest, spend, and protect their money? Then listen to the Watching Your Wealth podcast. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts and find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Spotify. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. 
This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome back to the Money Beat Podcast. And just as a reminder to uh, all you good folks out there in podcast land, if you want more from the Wall Street Journal, we have a full a full menu of podcasts that you can find at wsj.com slash podcasts. A lot to offer you. We've got Speakeasy, Heard on the Street, What's News, The Tech News Briefing, WSJ Opinion, Your Money Matters, Free For All, and, of course, the Money Beat Podcast. We are on Twitter at WSJ Podcasts, and you can subscribe to us. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and your Google Play Music app on your Android devices. Paul and Stephen here in the studio talking to Chris Gaffney, who is president of World Markets at Everbank. He's in town for a couple of days doing the uh, doing the city tour, so we were lucky enough to get him here in the studio. Uh, Chris, uh, something you might have heard coming up in a couple of days called the U.S. presidential election. Oh, yeah. Do you think this report will have any out- outcome? This report? This, the, well, the, the jobs. Letter, I'm sorry. Jobs. Oh, okay, the jobs okay. report. No, not yeah, <laughs> this do, one. Do you, We're think, gonna... do you think the Money Beat podcast will have an effect on the uh, presidential election? And you better say yes. Yes. No, <laughs> uh, you're right. no. no uh, the jobs report this morning, I mean, how much of impact, how much can pre- either candidate make hay out of it? Uh, I don't think it, 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 I think everyone's looking right past it. Uh, I don't think it's going to have any impact whatsoever, really, on on uh, uh, these elections. Uh, uh, but your point about income inequality, or, or you didn't make a point about income inequality. The point about wage right, growth yeah. is really something that has been driving. And, That's true. Yeah, and uh, also. Um, just the feeling that, you know, uh, the the point about nobody feeling like they're participating in the growth and, and having a feeling that the U.S. economy is not um, in a good spot. I mean, it, it's got a lot of the voters um, really anxious uh, about what's going on. And, and uh, uh, but that this report really doesn't change any of that. Right. Right. No, so. I mean, I, I think it would have had to have missed, you know, by a lot. It would have had to have been like a May. Below 100. Yeah, like a May right. figure. to Because then that, I mean, I think that would have really sort of played into Trump, who has been hitting that sort of, uh, you know, that the, the U.S. economy, you know, is in a really bad place. People feel left behind, right. left out. And, and, and that would have given him. But by and large, I think most people, right. most, the average voter is not paying yeah, close I think, attention to I this. think both of them would have needed a spectacular number. Right. right. Like 34,000 or negative is great for not great. For, but, you know, it, it's a good it number for into, Trump because it, it plays in. Right, right. You know. Whereas like 250 or 300,000 would have played in for, for Hillary Clinton. Right. And yeah, I'm not sure. sure. Even, and I, I'm not even sure how much like a really good number, because I think, the you know, a, a lot she's of not going to get credit. Yeah. I mean, she's not going to take credit for that. So. Um, right. And I think a lot of people just will discount it. Yeah. Not maybe like, you know, Jack Welch and call it the Chicago guys. But was, uh, yeah. <laughs> Remember that? Remember the 2012 report that, just that before the did, election? That number, in, that was an October number. It was an, it was the September exactly. jobs report. No, no, it was the October. October. I thought it was the the October. It came out in October, but for, for September. Was it that? Yeah. It was the last report before the election. The election yeah. yeah, because the elections are second right. Tuesday. So, yeah. And, and it, it was a big it, it, number. It, it, it did really help um, Obama because it came also yes. after the debate, the first debate where he had sort of bombed. Right. And it sort of, I think, helped staunch the idea that the economy was in a bad place. Right. Right. Um, or wasn't improving. Yeah. So, 
No, I'm sorry, Chris. No move by the Fed. Uh, you know, I mean, they're they're apolitical, but they weren't going to move, uh, right. you know, uh, last week. There's no no way. Uh, yeah. I mean, who? nobody expected them to move. And, and their, even their tone, um, you know, in the statement was kind of, well, we're still on path. Uh, the interesting thing was, you know, we went from three people saying uh, we should raise now to only two. And Rosegren, I, I mean, I, I think he had a good point that there's there's some other things out there now. All of a sudden, we've got some other uncertainties mm-hmm. that may prevent. And this is a point um, Steve started to make earlier, is that, um, you know, even after the elections, there's not just data that will prevent the Fed from making a move in December, but there's other black swan events. There's there's something that could happen that could prevent them from from uh, making a move in December, not related to the U.S. economic data. I, right. I mean, you know, uh, something that could happen in Europe, the U.K. You know, we just saw um, Article court, 50. Yeah, yeah the, the court saying that uh, Parliament has to has to approve Article 50. So, um, you know, that's an uncertain piece. And in, in, uh, uh, we've got a uh, referendum in Italy. Yeah. Um, and, and and basically the Italian prime minister said if he doesn't win that referendum, and it's a constitutional referendum where they're going to be, I think, reducing the number of uh, legislatures in parliament and the number um, – and basically the lower house can approve a good – a larger number of the bills and things like that just to make it a much more efficient – process of um you know governing <laughs> the I guess. italians are so known for yeah. efficiency <laughs> um but it, it, it's looking like it's a you know people are going to vote against it one of the reasons people you know the thinking is that people are going to vote against it is because there's uh, an anti-eu tide that, that that has been sweeping europe we saw right. with brexit we've seen it in other countries that is building in italy um, and, you know, it would throw the sort of political landscape there in, into a bit of chaos um, and, and, you know, raise questions about whether Italy would be staying in the in the EU. And an EU without Italy is, pretty, you know, and the UK. And the UK, right. But I mean, Italy's even a bigger deal because it's part of the currency block. Right. I mean, that's a right. big deal. Right. And that's, that's a mess trying to break yeah. that one. That is, I mean, the Italian economy has been, you know, I mean, you'd have to. Have I, banking I, I follow holidays. my paisans back in the old country. I mean, that economy has been a mess for a long time, but it's still a big economy. Yeah, it is a major European economy, and it is huge debt. Right. Yeah. Who's backing Italian sovereign bonds if it's not part of the EU? Right. I mean, or, you know, or it, it, and they're trading below U.S. Treasuries. Yes, now, I know, uh, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, U.S. tenures are supposed to be the risk-free rate. Yeah. You know, that's where everybody and, and they've been the, have, like one of the riskiest bonds in the world right. for the last like two or three years. And and we all know why that yeah. is. Yeah, because it's not just the Italians who are backing no. them. It's because yeah. they're yeah, part that's... of the EU, right? I mean, that's why that is. This this is this whole domino thing that people have been talking about for years in Europe. Years when Greece, Cyprus, too. it's liquidity. I mean, th- this is th- this is the the fundamental question about you, can Europe operate as one entity? Right, and, and I'll bring up another point on on Europe is the is the banks, uh, the European banks, and, yeah. and negative interest rates are not. You know, banks make money on spread on interest rate spreads, and it's hard to make an interest rate spread when it's negative. And, yeah. and so, you know, their their health. They dodged a bullet in the third quarter. Their fixed income trading, you know, uh, saved them all. Uh, I know Deutsche and Commerce. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, they, they had revenues that, that they dodged a bullet. But uh, overall, they're not, you know, the health of European banks could be something, again, 
um, that could cause questions about the European uh, economy and, and recovery, and then what domino effects that has on the rest of the global recovery. And and and, 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 and you know, Deutsche Bank has gotten a lot of headlines, but you know, Italy, all its banking system is uh, a mess. Is a, is in trouble. It's a total um, mess. And that you know, that's another thing that this election could you know throw into more chaos. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, talk about uncertainty while we're on this subject. Uh, what if this election on Tuesday here? I meant is, the referendum. Sorry. Yeah, you but meant the, the, ref- the election. What if, this, what if this election is not? What if we wake up on Wednesday morning and we don't know who the president-elect is? And there's a good chance of that, I think. Uh, I mean, uh, polls have tightened and, and – uh, uh, we we've seen it before, you right. know, hanging chads in Florida. Right. Remember that one? And uh, that took till mid December to solve, didn't right. it? And uh, so yeah, there, there's definitely, you know, I, I think just getting past it, you would expect a bit of a relief rally, if you will, um, and people saying, well, that's one thing past. Um, but I'm not sure we're going to get that this year because of the fact that the relief you, rally, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because of the fact that you've got questions still about. Uh, the validity of the results in one hand or or uh, on the other hand, you know, how how much um, they're going to have. A, nobody's going to receive a mandate, probably. Um, right. I, I think it's going to be close enough to where there is no mandate. And, and the other thing, too, is it's not just getting like the 50 percent where you, you feel like you have the mandate. They haven't actually really, you know, this has been the problem and, and our, you know, Washington bureau chief wrote a column about this. They really never talked about the issues, like the in the debate. Oh, so, no. like, no, we have no idea what people are choosing on. Like right. you know, it's not like you know, it, 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 you know, people are going to vote for Trump or Hillary because they want more infrastructure, more money into education, or they want lower tax. Like we don't know what this, are their really. policies. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah, it, it's been more about what they don't want yeah. on the other person. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, these debates were a lot of just putting each other down um and and just like the scandals and the headlines and that's you know and that's that's a real problem um and you know it's a frustration with this election you know that you know you you, people aren't going to the polls and really understanding what they're voting for they're just voting on you know sort of this emotion visceral i i like him i like her i hate him i hate her and we've heard a lot of that, uh, you know, callers into the World Markets Desk at Everbank. We we hear that, um, con- not confusion, but just uh, anxiety or, or uh, uncertainty, and and really, um, uh, they're they're, you know, they're they're wanting to figure out where they could put their money that's outside of the U.S. dollar, which is, which is, mm-hmm. you know, and and uh, we we have to pull back sometimes. You know, we we get the callers that say, "I want everything in gold," or "I want everything out of the U.S. dollar." You got to remind them, no, you know, just you know, diversification is key, not not everything anywhere. But uh, um, yeah, I think that's driving some. Well, we've seen gold recover here this week. Um, we've seen the price of precious metals recover. We've seen the dollar uh, get hit a little bit. Um, you know, an, an election result that isn't um, exact or, or is not uh, a mandate uh, could lead to more of that, more uncertainty, more questions about where we're heading um, in, in the U.S., and, and then uh, more investors looking overseas or looking past. And, and, and not saying we're going to get, you know, sort of Gore versus Bush kind of outcome uh, that went to, you know, mid-December and, and 2000. But, I mean, if we follow that scenario, the real question is how much that, does that impact the Fed's decision? Um, you know, does it – Of course. What the Fed meeting is, what, December 14th or, yeah. you know, 15th, whatever it is? Yeah. I mean – if, if the election is not solved, there's still, uh, you know, you know, fighting over 
hanging chads and things like that. I mean, do, can the Fed move when we're in, in this sort of situation? Yeah. But uh, then I'm not saying that it, this is yeah. a, I think this is a big sort of speculative, obviously, you know, what well, if. Right, but right. I mean, we were sort of heading, you know, that, the, you know, the outcome couldn't, you know, be um, delayed. Yeah. Just I don't know. I mean, Chris, what are you but even if we move that? past, uh, I, mean, I mean, absolutely, there's there's that question. But, um, you know, with the 75, 80 percent chance of them raising rates. OK, um, if they raise rates in December. Um, what does that do to the economy? A. What does that do to investments? B. And and uh, but more importantly, um, what's the message that they're going to be sending as part of that increase in interest rates? And I, I think that um, they, even if they do raise, if if they feel comfortable enough to raise, which which the markets expect, um, they're not going to follow that up with another. Hey, we're going to raise four times. Um, they're going to follow it up with, well, we're going to wait and see. And, and right. so again, it's going to be wait and see. And uh, with everything out there that's uh, that's that's pulling the markets, uh, I think that wait and see means lower for longer, uh, continued, and therefore I, I think uh, you know interest rate policy are going to remain very accommodative actually, and and but unfortunately that also points to lower growth, lower inflation, um, more of the same if you will. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's leave it there. Because Chris has other engagements this afternoon here in the city. You don't just come to the city and just hang. I know you want to come just for us, right? Yeah, exactly. I'd like to think that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, we'll let you go. Chris Gaffney, World Bank, uh, Everbank, World Markets at Everbank. Thanks for coming in today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Enjoy. All right. Everyone, have a great weekend. We'll catch up with you soon. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.